Good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. My name is Brett, and I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater, and it is good to be here today. Thank you for spending your Sunday morning with us this morning at, at Halstead Campus. We are in a series called This Is Us, and every year, pretty much every year, we take a few weeks and we look at our core values. We have five foundational core values that drive most of what we do here at Bridgewater, and if we get to know those five core values, we will understand better, you will understand better, why we do the things that we do. Uh, if you're new here, this is your first week, if you stumbled in off the street, welcome, really glad that you're here. Um, this series is kind of a family talk, and uh, so you get a chance to peek behind the curtain and look at why we do what we do and get to know us, and we're really glad you're here. Um, so please don't feel awkward, feel uh, like you get a sneak peek. Um, but foundational core values. We, we looked a couple weeks ago at the core value of generosity. We give because he gave. Last week, we looked in John 13 at Jesus setting an example of serving. And we talked about save people, serve people. If you didn't get a chance to hear those two, I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen to them on our website or on the Bridgewater app. Um, they are just two of the five foundational values of Bridgewater. Before I introduce the value today, I do <clears throat> want to talk a little bit about values and something I've found over the years that you probably have seen as well. And <clears throat> it is this, we tend to make decisions based on what we value. You and I tend to make decisions based on the things that we value. I'll give you some examples. Um, for instance, when you set your alarm this morning, some of you set your alarm very early. Why? Well, because you value getting up, getting a jump on the day. You get all gussied up and ready to go, and you feel like you have margin in your life. And then there are others of you who set your alarm eh, maybe with three minutes. And you need to be someplace in three minutes, but you got those three minutes. You value sleep. While the other people value getting up and getting a jump on the day, others of us value the sleep part of it. How about this one? Um, getting dressed this morning or any morning. Some of you would lay out your outfits. You'd have accessories. You know, you have, you have an ensemble of, of colors that bring out your eyes. And you would value looking very put together and... and you value looking good, and, and you value having a, an outfit that people say, wow, that really goes together. Good job. There are others of us um, who maybe put on the clothes that were thrown in the corner from yesterday, and uh, you value something different. You value not being naked. <laughs> you, really, like a bare minimum. I, I just know that I have to be clothed, and so I'll wear that. Okay, it's two different values. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to judge. How about this? Some of you eat a certain way. Vegetables, you know, a lot of, a lot of fruits. You got to have all those pieces. Maybe vegan, maybe, maybe stay clear of red meat. You value living, uh, eating healthy, okay? There are others of us who really love red meat, and we have an aversion to anything with color and, and really would, would want to not put any of that in our mouths. 
or on our plates. See, some people value eating healthy. Others of us value good taste. But it's all what we value. And, And this is the values guide our, rela- our, our lives. Thousands of decisions are made every day based on what we value. Now, the, the rub is sometimes we say we value certain things, but then we live a totally different way. I'll give you an example. Some of you would say you value being frugal with your money. I'm a wise steward of my money. But then if somebody were to peer into your life, they would say, huh, really? That's an interesting purchase. I didn't know that that was frugal. Yeah, but you don't understand. Lottery tickets, I mean, there's a a good chance I win. Okay. (laughs) There's a good chance you lose. Um, what, what about uh, people who say, you know, they value a healthy life, and, uh, and so they buy new sneakers. Oh, they just value healthy living. I value exercise, and then, and then they never use the sneakers. Like, brand new pair of running shoes that have not even been broken in. Membership to the gym that was used two times last month. You see, just because we say we value things doesn't doesn't mean I really value them. And so I would like to propose that that we can look, you can look at my life. I can look at people can look at each other's lives and we can know what somebody values based on the choices they make, the decisions they make. Now, today we get to look at something Jesus valued. And He not only valued it and says he valued it, he actually did it and set an example for us. And it's in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to John chapter 4. We're going to look at the core value, found people, find people. And Jesus gives a great example of this in John chapter 4. What you'll find is most of our Bridgewater core values come directly from examples of Jesus. Remember last week, John 13, Jesus serves the disciples. He washes their feet, save people, serve people. We want to be like Jesus. So this one, found people, find people, is a core value we find in John 4. And in John 4, Jesus gives an amazing example of this and, and then drives home the point by teaching his disciples exactly what he was showing as an example. Now, found people, find people is something that drives Bridgewater to do what we do. This core value, found people, find people, is the reason we have an organizational goal that we're praying towards 100 people who make Jesus their forgiver and leader this year. This this core value is why we pray for people to come to know Christ as their forgiver and leader. This core value is why we talk about praying for, investing in, and inviting people to come to Bridgewater to hear about Jesus. It's why we celebrate carnations up here almost every week. And we need to pray for our carnation, for, for somebody who <clears throat> decided to make Jesus their leader and their forgiver. And that's why we celebrate it, because we have a core value that found people find people. So today, found people 
find people. In John chapter 4, Jesus is near or in the town of Sychar. It's in Samaria. He and his disciples have been hiking, have been walking. They're tired. They're thirsty. They stop at this town, and the disciples leave and go get food. And so we're going to look at, at what happens next. What, what I want us to notice is I want us to look at two steps that we need to take in order to value what Jesus values. So John chapter 4, verse 7, here, here's, what, here's what it says. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Okay, so here's what's happening. Jesus is interacting with this, this woman. Remember, he's going through Samaria. A couple things have happened. He did not go around Samaria, which would have been customary for Jews. Jews and Samaritans, they didn't really mix. <clears throat> so they would typically, Jews would typically go around Samaria. He did not. He went through it and meets up, comes to this well. <clears throat> There's a woman there. She's a Samaritan. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans, okay? Secondly, J- Jewish men certainly would not have had a conversation with Samaritan women, culturally. Okay, verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again from the well, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come, keep coming here to draw Water. Here, here's what we start to see. We start to see what Jesus values. So Jesus values the Samaritan woman and wants her to know that she can be right with God. Living water. So Jesus gets there. He's thirsty. He says, could I have a drink? She says, I can give you a drink. He says, you know what? I've got something better than this water. It's called living water. It, it is something that won't just quench your thirst for an hour or two, but but. It will give you hope and forgiveness and a future for eternity. He, he begins to have this conversation with this Samaritan woman, and, and he turns the conversation into a spiritual talk. <laughs> because Jesus values finding people who are far from God and pointing them towards his Father. At this point, Jesus makes a turn in the conversation And verse 16, he says to her, go and call your husband and come back. Now that sounds strange in and of itself. You might say, well, that's a weird weird question or or statement. But but he's going to point out the real value in her life. Here's what he says, verse 17. She said, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you are now with, you have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Okay, found people, find people. Bridgewater's core value. The first step that we're going to need to add to our lives, if we're going to value finding people like Jesus valued people, is we need to see others the way Jesus sees them. We need to see others the way Jesus sees them. I'm shocked in this passage that 
that Jesus seems unflapped by how messed up this lady was. He seems unfazed. He, he shows up in Samaria, shouldn't be talking, shouldn't be going through Samaria unfazed, shouldn't be having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. He obviously knows she's Samaritan, unfazed. He knows she's a woman, doesn't stop him. They start having a conversation, and he turns the conversation to spiritual things, and, and I offer you something called living water, not like this well water. Asks her about her relationship life, five husbands, living with a man who's not currently her husband, would be number six, unfazed. Why? Well, because Jesus sees people a little different than I do. I, I tend to see their mess. Not Jesus. Jesus really valued people. Found people, find people is rooted in this idea that we need to see others the way Jesus sees them. And it's different than how we oftentimes see people. Jesus sees people with, with immeasurable value. Jesus seemed to be able to see people not for their lostness, but in need of mercy and grace. He seemed to see people as created by God in need of a relationship with him. So if found people, find people, forces me to ask the question, what would it look like if you and I saw people as having immeasurable value? Like what, what would that look like? Those people who annoy us, those people who don't agree with us, and we don't agree with them socially, theologically, politically, what if we saw people with immeasurable value instead of for their flaws? Found people, find people forces me to ask the question, what, what would it look like if we saw all people in their lostness, in need of mercy and grace. What if that drove us? I, I can become so judgmental. What would my response have been if she had said, oh, I've, I've had five husbands, I'm on my sixth one. <laughs> I'm only on my third. I mean, you know, we can quickly judge, Right? Like, whoa, what a messed up life. But Jesus seemed to focus on her need for mercy and grace and forgiveness and hope. And wouldn't, if we were, be, if we were to be honest, wouldn't we in this room have to say, except for the mercy and grace and forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what would keep us from being on our fifth or sixth or seventh marriage with messed up lives and carnage of broken relationships behind us except for God's mercy and grace in our lives? Jesus seemed to really be able to focus on the immeasurable value that he put on people's lives and, and on their need for mercy and grace. But I guess if found people, find people is something that drives us 
then it forces me to ask the question, what would it look like if I saw all people just in need of a relationship with God, a restored relationship? Like, like nobody is without hope. And, and everybody I passed, I thought, boy, I hurt for that person because they may be living without hope. It just changes my perspective. What if I never viewed anybody as too far gone? I, I tend I tend to do that. I, I've coached Montrose Junior Football off and on for the last 15 years and seen a number of, <clears throat> of families come through and children come through and have made a number of, of Unfair judgments on families and individuals and some of those squirrely kids. And I see a squirrely kid who's incorrigible and I try to coach them. And then I see their parents or hear their parents from the bleachers or from the sidelines and can quickly think, yeah, no hope there. there there's one particular family I, I, I specifically think of that... Um, Four boys in the family, all from different dads. Um, two of them in and out of drug rehab since then. Uh, and uh, I can quickly not view them as Jesus viewed the Samaritan woman. I, I truth be told, I was contacted by the youngest son of that family. This week on Monday, I coached him 12 years ago. And he said, hey, Coach Brett, I'm engaged. Could, could I sit down with you and your wife and my fiancé so we can talk about how to have a good marriage? What a cool opportunity. But, but if we don't view people with a measurable value, who need mercy and grace, who, who need a restored relationship with God, we will just, we'll just write people off. We don't hurt for lost people. That, we, we would choose not to, but Jesus sets an example here of hurting for lost people. And, and let's be honest, this is, they're coming over Wednesday, he and his fiance, and it's just going to be two broken people who have been shown mercy and grace pointing to other broken people in need of mercy and grace towards God. Found people, find people. That's one of our core values at Bridgewater. We need to be a group of people who have been found who go find people far from God and just point them, just point them to the love and forgiveness and hope of a Savior. This, uh, this story goes on. Jesus and, and the Samaritan woman have been talking for a while and Jesus is showing what he truly values. <clears throat> Verse 27, it says, Just then his disciples returned. 
and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman, and a Samaritan woman at that, so I'm sure they were shocked. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards Jesus. So the passage ends, this, this, this passage of Scripture ends with the woman realizing that Jesus is the Messiah and going and telling the whole town, but, but there's an interaction that Jesus has with the disciples where he really, really drills down on this found people, find people example. And I want to look at that first. Verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Okay, they totally missed it. So Jesus says, I'm dealing with something way more important than your food. Your food will give me some physical strength. That's great. I'm dealing with something that gives emotional or gives eternal hope. Way more important. It drives me. And Jesus is going to identify it. Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of the Father who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I, I have a value that is so strong in my life that is driving everything in my life. And it has very little to do with physical food and everything to do with pointing people towards a restored relationship with my Father. He tells his disciples, there are hurting people all around us. Open your eyes. Don't you see it? And I think not only do we need to see others the way Jesus sees them in order to really be living out, found people, find people, but we need to listen for and act on open door opportunities. We need to listen for and act on open door opportunities. This, there are opportunities all around us. And if we're going to live out, found people, find people, we've got to be aware of this. I have a neighbor, had a neighbor named Kevin. And uh, Kevin and I would hang out sometimes after work. He, he would come over when we mowing the lawn or raking leaves or something. And, and he said one time, you know, Brett, if I had your life, if I had your family, oh, man, Things would be so awesome. I said, Kevin, <laughs> you're wrong. Kevin, you, you have a wife. You have two daughters. You have a job. So do I. We live next door. I said, the only thing that's different between what you have and what I have is I have Jesus. And Nicole and I, early in our marriage decided we were going to use the Bible as our guidebook. And if we ever had a question, we were going to go to the Bible and say, well, what did God say? That's the difference. I said, and I said this to him, I said, I am an idiot just like you. But I have Jesus. Well, what is that? All that is, that's just taking an opportunity, acting on an opportunity 
for an open door. Jesus did this. It was hot. He was at a well. He was thirsty. He asked for a drink. And then they started talking about water. And he took an opportunity to turn that conversation to talk about something that would sustain this lady far greater than a physical drink of water. Something with eternal ramifications. And he just turned the conversation. He took an opportunity to talk about a restored relationship with God. This is great because she sets an example too for us. Remember verse 38. We read these already, but I just want to review them quick. It says in verse 28, um, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. But verse 39, here, here's, here's what happens then. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. I love this passage because Jesus not only sets an example of building a relationship, found people, find people, building a relationship with a Samaritan woman who's, who's in need of a Savior. And, and not only does he then challenge his own followers, the 12 disciples, that they need to open their eyes because lost people are everywhere and they need to be people who are found, people who find people. But then the Samaritan woman does exactly what Jesus is challenging his disciples to do. And I think sometimes we get this idea that, that well, yeah, I would, I would try to talk about God, but I, I didn't go to Bible college. Don't need a Bible college degree. Yeah, but you don't understand. I am not an extroverted preacher. I can't get up and just talk. You, you don't need to. You don't need to wear a sign that says, repent, the end is near. You, although you could. You, you don't need a bullhorn. Like that, that's not what you need. The core, Bridgewater core value taken directly from Jesus' example here in John 4, just asks us to value people who are far from God and then demonstrate this value by taking opportunities to interact with them. This is, this is why we do Halloween events. Just opportunities to see our community and talk with them. This is why we're going to do open house in a few weeks. Just opportunities to invite people here and, and have conversations with them. Found people, find people. I, I don't think the Samaritan woman had any Billy Graham gospel presentation that she was going to whiz out and, you know, here's the wordless book or here's the five fingers and this one's white. And the, I don't think she had that. She didn't have a stack of Gospel of John's. It wasn't written yet. She, she didn't have a stack of gospel tracts. You know what she had? Her voice. She didn't even have a reputation. She was there in the heat of the day probably because she was an outcast in the community. Most people would go get their water in the morning or at night. 
And yet this lady goes back to her community and says, I don't know how to say this, but there's a guy at the well. <laughs> he radically changed my life, and he can change yours. You need to go see him. That's it. That's what she did. Well, but what would he say about, about the, uh, the rapture? I don't know. He's at the well. Yeah, but what translation of Scripture would you... I don't know. He's at the well. But do you know anything about superlapsarianism? He's at the well. The Trinity, like, can you... The well. That's all she did. She used her voice. Found people, find people. She invited. So what do we do with this? I, I have three ideas. First of all, if found people find people and Bridgewater is going to live this out, we've got to get to know those who are far from God. You and I have to know people who are far from God, pray for people who are far from God, and ultimately focus on their need for God's grace and not in their lostness. You got a card as you came in. Pray, invest, invite with three lines. Those three lines are, are not for your list of things you need to buy at Price Chopper after this. These are for people who are far from God because we love them. We need to love them. I've been found. I have hope and forgiveness by God's grace and mercy. I know a lot of people who haven't been found yet. And I need to love them enough to write their names down here and then pray for them every single day. And pray that God gives me opportunities to talk with them. You do too. There, there's another application, and, and this would be maybe to intentionally look for opportunities to nudge people towards Jesus. And this one's a, a little... Maybe a little harder for some people, but, but not for others. Conversations. Maybe starting conversations and talking about Jesus. And, and open doors, open door opportunities. I mean, when people start talking about, ah, yeah, we're really struggling in our marriage. Yeah, it is hard to be married. I know. You know what? You should come to church with me. Because I find that the Bible has a bunch of answers, and I've learned so much that it's really helped my wife and I. I don't know, parenting, man, that's just so tough. I just, wow, raising kids today? What a, what a challenge. I know. It is a challenge. We have this kids' ministry, though, that my kids love. It is awesome. And my kids cry because we have to drag them out and take them home afterwards. They don't cry because they have to go to church. You should come. Your kids will love it. I've just been struggling with anxiety, depression. Oh man, that, that's a real pain. That, that can be a real struggle. I know. You know what? I've found hope, though, in God's Word. And I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but, but you should come with me. 
and see if, if maybe you can find hope too. See, it's just, it's just a conversation. Now, some of us need to take it even further and actually share the story of life change with people. And you might say, I could never share my story. That is complicated. Ooh, I, I get nervous about that. It's really not that hard. Um, it's, it's before and then and now. I was, I was really struggling with anxiety and depression before I met Jesus. I, 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 I brought it home with me after work, and my wife and I, in our marriage, we, we struggled with that. And, and then somebody invited us to Bridgewater. And I heard, I heard David talking about forgiveness and hope that Jesus offers. I didn't even know it was available to me. I'll tell you what. Since I was introduced to Jesus... I have a hope and a peace that I can't even explain. Right there. You should come with me. It's the woman at the well. I don't know the answer to your question. Come to the well. I don't know. It's before my life. Then I met Jesus. Now, look at the change. Found people, find people. We need to get to know those who are far from God. And then we need to intentionally look for opportunities to nudge people towards Jesus. That's, that's a core value of Bridgewater. It is why we do what we do around here. And as you leave, you're going to get invite cards for September 17th open house. And you'll have an opportunity to be a found person who finds people by inviting. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, uh, for your mercy and your grace. I, I want to start there. For your forgiveness and the hope that you offer. Thank you for Bridgewater, for Halstead, Montrose, Conklin, Vestal, Tonkanic. Thank you for online. Thank you for the way you have allowed us to be in multiple communities around Northeastern Pennsylvania, Southern Tier of New York. Help us live out this value. Not just talk about it, not just say we value it, but actually live in a way that people would know we value lost people and we love them. In Jesus' name, amen.